0: My beloved brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, it's good to be with you this morning. We are approaching the end of a journey, and that is our journey towards the kingdom of God. And this morning, tomorrow as well, we shall be approaching the end of our journey through the book of the Acts of the Apostles. This wonderful book opens with Jesus' ascension into heaven. And importantly, the promise of his return that is followed by the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom of God and the establishment of the early ecclesias. And the preaching work had the outcome of those who were baptized, and numbers were added to the ecclesia, such as should be saved. And so the preaching side was, was the positive. But some of those individuals we've mentioned, and those that we haven't mentioned by name, underwent persecution. The Ecclesia as a whole suffered persecution. And the Apostle Paul, progressively in the book of Acts, becomes a powerful force in the declaration of the truth, in the declaration of the hope of Israel, which we too have espoused. But he underwent persecution. He underwent trial. And in our chapters, the two which Brother Matthew has read for us today, and in tomorrow's chapter as well, we have the Apostle Paul appearing before various ones in authority, various individuals, those who have the power of life and death, humanly speaking. Uh, But what we find also, but there isn't the time to explore, explore them in depth, are the parallels with what Paul underwent, with what the Master underwent, until that time when he went to his death upon the accursed tree? Both Jesus and Paul appeared before the high priest. Both were smitten on the on the mouth, on the face. Both were regarded, as Scripture attests, to have done nothing worthy of death. Both held in prison. Jews conspired to kill both the master and Paul. The master was accused of being a a mover of sedition. Paul was accused of perverting the nation. Paul was accused of profaning the temple. The master of threatening to destroy it. But in neither case could evidence to substantiate the charges be found and there are other examples one could put forward. But despite the fact that he was on trial, Paul was still able to preach concerning the things which he believed. He spoke of that encounter on the Damascus Road. And that's it's restated in Acts 26 verses 31 and 2. He had done nothing worthy of death. But the trials continued And the culmination was that Paul had to make that journey to Rome. He had, as it were, set his flint, his face like a flint, to go to Rome. Now, later in his life, in writing to the Ecclesia at Corinth, Paul said, Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day have I been in the the deep. And when we look, events on board ship and stormy conditions feature in Scripture, both in the Old Testament and the New. And and so, when we look at some of these things, it can help us to try and deal with the storms of 21st century life that we're subjected to. While we await the return of Christ. The pressures come. The storms come. From without. And sometimes challenges even within the body of faithful ones. But ultimately we pray that we might leave the storms behind. And enter into the safe harbour. The safe haven of the kingdom of God. Now. The Master has been involved in things concerning troubled seas, as one might put it. First of all, in Matthew and chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. And when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was... Asleep. And interestingly, that word tempest is seismos, from which we get seismology, which is to do with earthquakes and the number of great earthquakes, which Luke alludes to in his record of the Sermon on the Mount, become more prevalent. His disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. He saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea and there was a great calm but the men marveled saying what manner of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him so there was the master he was there with the disciples he calmed the storm but later in Matthew there's another incident in the 14th chapter which we, we needn't turn to but it's verses 25 to 32 and on this occasion The master was not with the disciples. They were, as it were, on their own. And the point in time, it was the fourth watch, the last watch of the night, the last watch before the dawn. Now, we know that the master will return. We know that we have to appear before him. And our appearance before him is the only certain thing in our lives. But just as the master said to the disciples in Matthew 14. Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. So, as people of God, we are in the vessel. And... Technology means that ships can almost be guided without human hand. Marvels of technology. But our course in the vessel is guided by the word of God. The wholly inspired scriptures of truth. And we aren't alone in the vessel. Because we have brethren and sisters. And... We have our own personal voyage as well. And one of our hymns, hymn 275 in the new book, 151 in the old, has got a very appropriate section in the first verse. The rough winds may wrestle, our God will perform. With Christ in the vessel, we smile at the storm. And so Paul was to go to Rome and the journey was to be by sea, and a different journey to others which the apostle undertook because he's made his, his missionary journeys as they are referred to but now he is to face human justice or one could almost say human injustice and so the words we shall be reading on Tuesday, God willing, are in Acts chapter 27 and so it's determined that they are to go to Italy And so Paul and others uh, delivered unto one Julius a centurion. And just bear that in mind for a moment. They go into a ship of Adramitium. A ship of Adramitium. That may have been its home port or it was ultimately going there. And Adramitium means house of death. And the town obviously being coastal. And was close to dangerous waters during storms. And so this ship was meaning to sail by the coasts of Asia. The NIV means about, says about to sail. And if it's the intention from the AV meaning to sail. It demonstrates that all things are God willing. Man proposes but God disposes. And humanly speaking, mortally speaking, we're under a a sentence of death and that's an expression which only appears once in scripture, sentence of death in the 2nd of Corinthians. And And the Apostle Paul elsewhere in Corinthians declares that as in Adam, all die. And so the incidental stages of the journey are mentioned in the next few verses and then down to the end of verse 5 they came to Myra a city of Lycia and there the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing into Italy so they have to change ship at this point and a ship of Alexandria bound for Italy Alexandria was the grain store of the Roman Empire so This is a a grain ship and there's a certain irony here because the natural bread ingredients didn't reach Rome and we find that later on in the chapter but the spiritual bread did because the Apostle Paul arrived there shown towards the end of Acts chapter 28 where he preached the word of God and there's a little reminder here again Concerning the words of the Master, where he spoke of the, the meat or the meal which perisheth and that which endureth or lasts to eternal life. So they've changed ship. So they move from one ship to the other. And they sailed slowly many days. And they came over against Salmone. And verse 8 tells us that they reached the fair havens and that sounds very pleasant and it goes back to something I mentioned earlier that when the storms are over we have been faithful and God's grace is exercised we enter into that rest of the kingdom of God. Not a rest as in idleness but in carrying out further work they reached the fair havens because we know when we reach those fair havens, we are the heirs to the promises made to the fathers, once having been far off from them. Now when much time was spent and when sailing was now dangerous, the fast was now already past. Paul admonished them. And he says unto them, Sirs, I perceive this voyage will be with much hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and ship, but also of ourselves. So, there's the warning. Now, back to the centurion. He believed that the master or the government and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. Because the haven was not commodious or convenient to winter in, the more part advised to depart thence also. So we have the person who was in charge saying, we need to move on. By majority, others agree. But Paul had given warning. Now, we don't know why it was that it wasn't convenient to be in that place. Uh, Was it that most of them thought, well, This is a quiet place. There's no no action here. There's nothing that we can enjoy the natural thinking of the flesh. We don't know. But suffice it to say, they moved on. Verse 13 tells us the south wind blew softly. They sailed close to Crete. But then, disaster struck. And that can often be the way in life. Everything seems to be going very smoothly. No particular problems are happening on the personal level, on the ecclesial level, on the fellowship level, and then suddenly disaster strikes with Eurocladon, A tempestuous wind, a violent wind from the east, producing stormy seas with huge waves and being coastal here. Violent winds and huge waves um, will not be an unusual occurrence. And so in verse 15, the ship was caught. It could not bear up into the wind, so they let her drive. They just had to let the ship go where it would. So they're blown off course, uh, and that can happen as well. And that brings with it the necessity for prayer, for the word of God to dwell in our hearts. Richly, to support brethren and sisters in adversity. And so they had much work to come by the boat, which when they had taken up, says what they did in an effort to make things better. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared and no small tempest lay on us, All hope that we should be saved was then taken away. But then Paul makes a declaration. It says, after long abstinence, Paul stood forth. So, long abstinence. Paul, I believe, had been praying. And we note it was long abstinence. Sirs, ye should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Crete. And then, he goes on, he expands on this. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, And lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. So that the angels at work, just as they always are at work, unseen, but at work nonetheless. And if we just Gloss over the next section for the time being and go to verse 44. We read, and the rest, some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship. So it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. So what Paul had said came to pass. And salvation came by being on wood we are met to remember the sacrificial death of the one who died on a wooden stake and that by his death we have that and his rising from the dead we have that great hope of the life of the age to come and they come near as chapter 28 tells us onto the island of Melita so A brief overview there of Acts chapter 27. But what practical lessons can we take? We're on a journey. We cannot afford to be encumbered with the things of this life other than what we have need of. And although we didn't read the words, that they threw away the surplus items and equipment. These things were jettisoned and we can think of some words of the apostle paul that i believe the apostle paul wrote to the hebrews wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses And those were the ones referred to in Hebrews 11. And that word witnesses in the original is martyr. So these, many of them gave their lives for what they believed in. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the stake, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. It's not just about putting aside unnecessary possessions but it's looking towards Christ. It's looking towards the fulfillment of the purpose of God. must be careful not to listen to the Wisdom of those of this world. The centurion. His word held sway. But there was another centurion in scripture. The one who said, truly, this man was the son of God. You can also think about the wrong course might seem to be the right one. Well, that looks the right way to go. But it's not Necessarily, the one we should go on the importance of prayer we've said already in the section verse 21 ye should have hearkened unto me because there comes that point in time when human effort will not achieve anything things are according to God's will there's mention when they had taken up they used helps undergirding the ship and fearing lest they should fall into the quicksands. Quicksands are not obvious. In some places, one will see signs that say, danger, soft sand, do not enter. Some areas with quicksands only have authorised guides to guide people across. And so, it's being alert to danger, because with a quicksand, you step on, you step down, there's no way back. And so it's avoiding the temptations at life. Some things which on the surface seem innocuous, but they could drag us down beyond rescue. But being more positive, we've mentioned that when all hope was taken away, God was there. Paul was in prayer. And so when we see adversity a solution is not obvious. We have that great recourse to the word and to prayer. We know that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And something else Paul did in the section that, that we haven't read, it's in verse 31. He exhorted those on board to abide in the ship. Otherwise, you cannot be saved. And where does that principle come from? It comes from the Old Testament, just before the Passover. Israel in adversity in Egypt. And they were told, abide in the house. And so for us, we abide in the ecclesial house that we might have that great hope of being saved. And we too abide in the ecclesial house until that morning without clouds arrives. And we mentioned what Israel were instructed to do and that was in connection with a feast. And we are here this morning to keep a feast, to be partakers at a feast of love. God's word tells us that Christ, our Passover, the NIV adds the word Lamb, is sacrificed for us. We come together this morning once more, yes, but importantly, once less. One less opportunity to remember his death, to recognise everything that he has done for us. So we must, even in the battering of the storms of life, abide in the ecclesial house. And to help us on that way, we have words of encouragement in John. John chapter 15. For there we read in verse 7, if ye abide in me, And my words abide in you. Ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and an abiding His love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever. I command you, a man who laid down his life for his friends. We are his friends if we do whatsoever he commands us. And so now he gives us another commandment. This do in remembrance of me.